Thank you, David, and all of our praise team and musicians. Thank you for continuing to introduce to us new songs as we read in Psalm 121, or one of our psalms a few weeks ago, that we need to sing to the Lord a new song, and so we constantly want to be doing that and introducing new songs into our worship. If you've got a copy of God's Word, I'm going to ask you to open up to Psalm 121. David mentioned that a second ago, that we are going to be in Psalm 121 today, a short but a very powerful psalm, only eight verses, uh, but one that is also, at least in verse 1 and 2, very familiar because many of us have heard Uh, These words by the psalmist about where does my help come from, my help comes from the Lord. I want you to think for a moment about a time that you were in deep trouble and you needed rescue, you needed help, you needed intervention of some sort. Can you think about that? Maybe it may take you a while to remember that, but can you remember a time when you suddenly were in deep trouble and found yourself in need of help or intervention? It may have been something that was the product of your own choices. It may have been something that was due to circumstances beyond your control. Maybe it was the first time that you ever swam out into waters over your head and suddenly realized that you were in danger of going under. Anybody remember that feeling? Anybody remember being at the pool for the first time and thinking you were, you were really uh, strong enough to be able to swim, swim out in the deep waters and then you got out there and suddenly you, you, you started... To go under. Maybe for some of you it was a time when you got into debt way over your head because you were too focused on the pleasures of the moment than on the fact that every choice that we make comes with a price. And you found yourself swimming in a pool of debt and needing some sort of intervention. Maybe for you it was the time that you found yourself sitting in the doctor's office waiting on the results of some tests, and he walks in and says, I'm afraid that I have some bad news. The reality is that all of us at one time or another have felt the limits of our own power by finding ourselves in a place where the reality of our circumstances was more than our present resources could handle. All of us at some point in time have understood what it's like to need rescue. I was thinking about this question, and, and, and there were several that came to mind, but one was when I was a youth minister in Birmingham and had been there for just about a year, and uh, we, our group wanted to go hiking at uh, Oak Mountain State Park, hike up to the waterfalls at Oak Mountain State Park. And I had never been, uh, I'd been to Oak Mountain Park before to play golf, but I'd never been on the hiking trails there before, and so I I took a group of students, myself and one other chaperone, we took a group of students and we hiked the trails and and we were making our way back and some of the students were going back the way that we came but a a couple of them wanted to go up the ridge and go back a different way and so I walked, it was about me and five other students, we walked up that that ridge and, and then we somehow or another took a wrong turn and we ended up way, way back in the, in the, uh, trails at Oak Mountain State Park in a place that I had never been before and a place that none of them had never been before, trying to find out where a trail map was. We didn't have cell phones with GPSs at the time to help us navigate our way out. And I really feared that I was going to be stuck in the woods and having our cell phones actually didn't even work in that particular part of Oak Mountain State Park. And I, I could picture Within a couple of hours, sheriff's cars and a, and a helicopter flying overhead 
and the newscast saying youth minister loses children in woods and it's what I really feared. Luckily, we were able to get out. Someone once said, if you're not currently in the midst of a personal storm, then you are either coming out of one and recovering or you are preparing to be in one in the near future. And this is not only true in the physical realm, but it is even more true in the spiritual realm of our lives because all of us, more times than we would care to admit, have found ourselves dealing with the spiritual consequences of our choices. And the Bible tells us that our pursuit of sin creates not only spiritual distance between us and God, but it creates spiritual death in our lives. Ephesians 2 says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And that we don't just need religion, we need rescue. So all of us have felt this need for intervention. In addition to that, how many of us these days are lacking confidence? Is anyone here lacking confidence lately? The uncertainty of stock markets, the rise of global pandemics, the continuing assault of secularization on our biblical values, the political gridlock within our governmental systems, and the rising anger in most Americans have made many of us feel very vulnerable and to lack a great deal of confidence. And Psalm 121 is designed to give us confidence in the midst of of, 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 of trouble because of the intervening and preserving presence of the Lord God. As David said, Psalm 121 is a psalm of ascent. It says that right there in the title of, of, your, of your text. And the psalm of ascents were a very special group of psalms between Psalm 120 and Psalm 134 that were to be sung by the Jewish people as they pilgrimaged towards Jerusalem for the festivals they would ascend to the city of Jerusalem, and as they would ascend, they would sing these songs as a group, as a reminder to them of who their God is. Psalm 121 is also classified as a, as a hymnic psalm or a psalm of descriptive praise. It's a very reflective psalm focused on general, generalized affirmations about God to increase our trust in Him. And the psalmist is speaking about God's general deliverance and actions in history. And he praises God that he is the kind of God who acts in certain ways. So let's read Psalm 121 and let's think about this topic today of where does my help come from? Verse 1 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither, will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forth and forevermore. As I said, Psalm 121 is very short, only eight verses, but it packs some very powerful promises about the nature of our God. And we can summarize the, the truth of Psalm 121 in this statement, that in the midst of insecurity or trouble... We can confidently rest in the sovereign 
gracious care of our God. As you read over that psalm, that's the, that's the truth that the psalmist is trying to bury in our hearts is that there are going to come times of trouble. There are going to come times of insecurity. There are going to come times when we're going to, to need rescue, help, and intervention. There are going to come times when, when we've exhausted all of our physical and spiritual resources and we're going to need help and we can confidently rest that our God in the midst of insecurity and trouble is a sovereign, gracious God who cares for us. And he says this by really grounding us in, in four confident promises that he gives us in this psalm. And so I want to expound those for you today. They're broken down by little couplets of verses. And in verses 1 and 2, we see this confident promise that the Lord is my sure helper in time of need. It's really what the psalm is, is titled. It says, my help comes from the Lord. It, it, that's really the central uh, starting point of the psalm. And everything builds upon this promise that our Lord is a sure helper in time of need. But when you look at verse 1, you see a, a person who is walking through a deep personal crisis. Now the psalmist doesn't give us any specific details of his circumstances. He doesn't describe for us being in battle necessarily. He doesn't describe for us being attacked by, by uh, maybe some ravenous wolves. He doesn't describe for us being in, what kind of valley that he's in or what kind of things that are happening. And this is likely intentional by the psalmist because he wants to paint a very general picture of the reality of God's intervention in all of the dark circumstances of our lives. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hills. This tells us something very important because where are you when you lift your eyes to see hills? Where are you? You're in a valley. The only time you lift your eyes to see hills is when you're in a valley in between those hills. And valleys are often associated in our lives with difficult and dark places. The natural landscape of our lives means that as we sojourn through this world, we will often find ourselves going through valleys. Sometimes those valleys involve struggles as we encounter personal enemies who attack us. And these enemies can take many different forms. They can take the form of depression, anxiety, stress, fear, uncertainty, overwhelming deadlines and demands, personal attack from others, or the loss of a loved one or friend. These struggles and these enemies can appear in dozens of forms, too numerous to count and too many to name. And whatever the case, we find ourselves in a vulnerable place in which we feel attacked. And in those moments, our instinctive response when we feel vulnerable and attacked is what? It's to cry out for help. Where does my help come from? I lift my eyes to the hills. Where, where is my help going to come from? Feel the weight of that statement for just a moment. The hymn writer is in a difficult place. He feels 
under attack. He feels surrounded. He is realizing the limits of his own strength. He feels like he is losing the battle. The enemy is closing in. Help is needed. And the only help and the only hope is a rescue from above. Haven't you been there before? Quite likely, you've been there recently. Quite likely, you have found yourself in a deep personal valley looking up for someone to help. As I read these verses, immediately my mind was drawn to an illustration in, in a very popular movie in, uh, in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, in the movie version of J.R.R. Tolkien's books, as, as the kingdom of Rohan has fled from the invading orc army, they are holed up inside the fortress known as Helm's Deep. They've been in there for many days, and the, and the army of the orcs is beginning to, to penetrate the walls of the city. And as they are beginning to, to breach the walls, the prospects are looking dim. In that moment, Aragorn, one of the central characters, and King Theoden, who's the king of Rohan, begin to discuss what they're going to do, and they're beginning to send the people back into the tunnels to escape, but they decide to defend their people and to ride out to face certain death. And as they begin to, to, to mount up to ride out, Aragorn looks out the window and remembers the words of the wizard Gandalf when he said, Look to the east. Look to my first coming at first light on the fifth day at dawn. Look to the east. Aragorn and Theoden ride out and as they do, the sun rises over the ridge and Aragorn sees Gandalf on top of the hill being followed by the lost cavalry known as the riders of Rohan numbering in the thousands. And suddenly those riders swoop down and the momentum of the battle suddenly changes. It's exactly the picture that we see here as the psalmist says, I look to the hills, where is my help coming from? And while his enemies may have the high ground and the temporal advantage, the psalmist looks beyond the difficulties of his present circumstances to turn his eyes even higher to the heavens where he sees the reality of divine intervention. A very similar story is in 2 Kings chapter 6 when the armies of Israel are at war with the powerful forces of Syria. But the Israelites have an advantage over Syria. While the Syrian army is much more powerful, the Israelites have the prophet Elisha. And God gives the prophet Elisha uh, divine intelligence that advises the king of Israel in what to do. So eventually, the king of Syria begins, decides to send an army to the city of Dothan, and that's not Dothan, Alabama, but they send an army to the city of Dothan where the prophet is residing, and, and the prophet's servant, Gehazi, wakes up one morning and looks out to see a massive army of Syrians surrounding the city preparing to invade. And he begins to be afraid and he goes in and he wakes his master and he says, Master, what shall we do? And the prophet responds, Do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then the prophet prays and he asks for God to open the spiritual eyes of his servant. And when he does, the servant looks up and suddenly sees 
the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire as the armies of the Lord have come to fight the battle for them. This is the promise that the psalmist is looking for in Psalm chapter uh, Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. And this is why he can say with confidence in verse 2 that the Lord, my help comes from the Lord. The Lord is my sure helper in time of need. But not only that, in verse 2 he appeals to the power of God in creation to be the grounds for his confidence in the power of God to rescue him. Did you see that? Look at verse 2. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. What is he saying there? He is speaking of the awesome power of the Lord and the psalmist is saying, if our God can create everything out of nothing, then there is nothing that our God cannot do. Maybe you found yourself in a valley lately and feel like you have been under attack. And the valley may be the product of your own choices, or it may be, as we said, due to circumstances beyond your control. In either case, you have found yourself in need of divine intervention. And if you are a child of God, the promise of this psalm is that God is your sure helper who will come to you at the proper time. And we also need to remember something else about valleys, and that is that While valleys are the places where battles are often fought, they are also places where the greatest spiritual growth occurs in our lives. You see, it's in the valley where we recover from the grind of ascending and descending the hills and we get rest for our journey. And it's in the valley where usually the the soil is more fruitful and spiritual fruit can grow. And so we must go through the valley to get the spiritual refreshment that we need that can sustain us on our journey. The psalmist tells us that the Lord is my sure helper in time of need. But secondly, the psalmist tells us that the Lord watches over me in His sovereign grace. He watches over me in His sovereign grace. Verses 3 and 4 say, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. In verse 4, we see the first of five mentions in this psalm that God Almighty is our keeper. In verse 5, he describes him as our keeper. And in four other places, he says that the Lord keeps his people. What does he mean by that? What does he mean when he says the Lord is our keeper? Well, have you ever given something valuable to somebody else to keep for you? Why do you do that? You did it because you needed to keep whatever it was secure. You felt like in that moment that it was vulnerable and you wanted extra protection over it. For instance, if if you ever needed a date night or time away, what did you do with your children? You didn't just say, well, there's some ravioli on the stove and we'll be back in a couple of hours. Call us if you need us, right? You usually hired a babysitter. Or you called in grandmama and granddaddy to keep your kids for you while you were gone. In verses 3 and 4, the psalmist describes the Lord as the one who keeps you and gives us a very powerful promise that the Lord, our keeper, never slumbers. And we need to camp out on this truth for a moment and understand the promise that the psalmist makes here. He is saying 
that the Lord is always attentive to our need and whatever is going on with us at every moment of every day. We need a God who never sleeps and never slumbers. We need a God who is always attentive to every single circumstance that's going on in our lives. What would it look like if you went out on that date night and hired a babysitter to come home only to find her taking a nap on the couch while the children are all running around? The four-year-old's got a can opener opening up ravioli and a pot on the stove when you walk in. And how would you feel at that particular moment? You would feel very insecure. You would feel fear and anxiety because the one that you trusted your children to was inattentive to their real needs. But the, the psalmist is telling us that this is never the case for the child of God. There is never a time, never a circumstance, never a valley that we go through in life where our God is inattentive to our need in that moment. It's important for us to remember because there are times when we go through the valley when we wonder if God really sees us. We wonder if God really knows what's going on. We wonder if the pain, when the pain of our circumstances rises to be beyond our spiritual resources, we begin to question at that moment, where is God? What is God doing? Why is God doing this? And we need a confident promise that the Lord is continually watching over us in His sovereign grace, that our God never sleeps and never slumbers. He is never inattentive to our circumstance. In ancient times, the gods of other nations were oftentimes pictured as, as beings that needed to rest. And because of that, they couldn't intervene in any particular moments. If you remember when Elijah was facing the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal had called down their God to bring fire for the sacrifice and it wasn't happening, Elijah began to taunt the prophets of Baal and one of the things he said to them is perhaps he's sleeping. Perhaps he's taking a nap at this particular moment. But our God doesn't need to have times of rest to have his strength replenished. And therefore, He is never inattentive to our need and He is never caught off guard by the sudden difficulty of our circumstances. We can, we can take confidence in the fact that our God has never lost sight of us. I've spoken before about the time that we were in Disney World and we lost sight of our third son, John David, and we didn't know where he was. And immediately, because we lost sight of him, our world was, feared, was filled with fear and panic. And for John David, he looked around and couldn't find the security of his parents and know that they were focusing on his situation and his need in that moment. That's why you and I need the promise that the Lord watches over me in His sovereign grace. The valley that you are going through right now may suddenly be filling with a flood of difficult circumstances, but you can confidently rest in the fact that your God has not lost His eye on you. Our God is sovereign over everything that happens in our lives and His eyes are always attentive to our need. In verse 3, the psalmist also says, He will not let your foot be moved. What is this? This is a confident statement that the Lord provides stability to us in the midst of our trouble. You see, in battle, the legs and the feet are probably the most important part of the battle because if we lose our footing, we lose our foundation and we lose 
our tactical advantage. When boxers train, one of the things they must focus on more than anything else is their footwork before they work on their hands and their plan of attack. If a boxer or a fighter has great upper body strength but poor leg work, they will not last long in the battle. And the same is true for soldiers because an arrow to the leg or an unsure foundation can be devastating for a soldier. And so in this continual battle of life, you and I need a sure foundation. We need stability. And the psalmist tells us that that stability does not come from our own feeble and limited strength. Eventually, our feet will stumble. Eventually, our legs will grow tired. But we have the promise that where our strength ends, God's strength in our lives begins. And we lean into our faith and the power of our God. And we find that while the present reality of our circumstances may have the power to overwhelm us, our feet do not have to stumble because our security is grounded in the Lord and His sovereignty and not in our circumstances. The Lord is watching over me in His sovereign grace. But the third promise that the psalmist tells us is that the Lord will protect me in His tender care. The Lord will protect me in His tender care. Verses 5 and 6, he says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the noon nor the moon by night. The psalmist reminds us that God is not only attentive to our need, but that He also provides divine enablement and protection in those moments that we find ourselves in the valley. He describes God as being a shade over us. What is the purpose of shade? Why do we need shade? It's to provide protection from the elements. Many of you know that I went on a vacation a few weeks ago to the beach. And I have confessed before that I am not really a beach bum. I'm not really a huge beach fan. I I like the beach, but I don't love the beach, okay? And if I don't have shade, I don't like the beach at all, okay? I'm not the kind of guy who likes to go sit out on a chair in the middle of the sun and just let my pores open up and ooze with sweat and and fill up with sand. That's just not my idea of a good time. And so if I'm on the beach, I am in some shade. Unless I'm out in the ocean with my son. And I I need that shade because I'm, I'm not the kind of person who is going to stay out in the sun for very long. My favorite spot in our house is the back porch because it's a screened-in porch with a ceiling fan and I can go out there almost any time and find rest and relaxation and comfort and protection from the elements. And I can sit out on that porch when the sun is out and and I can have shade and, and coolness. I can sit out on that porch and I have when storms are rolling in and I can watch the storms rolling in and I'm not afraid of being struck by lightning. I'm not afraid of being being pelted by rain because I have protection from the storm. The psalmist says that for the child of God, the Lord himself is our shade. He covers us with the wings of his love. Psalm Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. You see, God doesn't just provide shade for us like a temporary tent in the moment. 
The Bible tells us that He shades us with the reality of His presence. Because of His protection, we are sheltered from many different difficult elements. The psalmist references the scorching heat of day, and certainly here in Alabama we know what that feels like. We know what that feels like very vividly lately. And after a hard day's work, there's nothing better than coming in the house, in the shade of the house, in the air conditioning. But he also speaks of protection from the moon by night. And many biblical scholars believe that this is a reference to the bitter cold that can often come once the sun goes away. And that the temporal loss of the sun makes us vulnerable to the sudden coldness of the situation around us. So the psalmist is telling us, whatever the external reality of our situation, children of God can rest in the promise that the Lord will protect us in His tender care. Can you look back on your life and see times when the Lord protected you from something that you didn't see coming? I remember a time in ministry when I was very young and I was very vulnerable. I had been excited about the prospects of making a difference for the kingdom of God But the ministry assignment that God had given me at that moment was a spiritual desert. It was a declining church that had gone through a loss of spiritual vitality for many years, and I was simply a youth minister, a staff member at that church. And eventually something happened in that church that had the potential to be a spiritual disaster. I found myself suddenly in an oppressive spiritual desert, And even after I left that ministry assignment, my my fear and insecurity carried on for another two to three years. And I could have very easily walked away from ministry at that moment and decided to go back to a different occupation. And yet I look back now and I see the sovereign hand of the Lord protected me in many ways during that time. We need to trust that the Lord is the one who will protect us with his tender care. But then fourthly and finally, we need to know this promise that the Lord will guide me in his divine wisdom. The Lord will guide me in his divine wisdom. Verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In these final verses, the psalmist describes for us that when we find ourselves going through those difficult valleys in life and undergoing spiritual attack, that God Himself provides divine counsel and guidance to lead us through them. He says that the Lord not only keeps our life, but that He guides our going out and our coming in. In other words, this is a statement that shows us that the Lord guides our steps in the midst of trouble. A few weeks ago, we read Psalm 37, and Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Proverbs 3, 6 reminds us that as we trust in the Lord with all our heart and do not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge Him, that God Himself will direct our paths. Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you continually. 
and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Over and over again, the Bible promises us that whatever difficult circumstances we may find ourselves in, our God promises to guide us every step along the way. In the New Testament, when Jesus was preparing for his eventual departure, on the night before he was arrested, he spoke with his disciples about his impending departure and that when he left, he would send to them a comforter. He would send to them another. We know that to be the Holy Spirit. In that text, in, in John chapter 14, I believe it is, the word that is used in the Greek is the word paraclete. And biblical scholars have had a really hard time over the years trying to define this word because it is a, it is a word that has multiple meanings. It shows the vast uh, ways that the Holy Spirit works in our life. But the essence of the word paraclete means one who comes alongside of. It's one who, who comes into our life to provide guidance it's the picture that the Holy Spirit is a divine enabler who guides us with wisdom as we journey through this life. And as it, most of us know, in the midst of battle, one of the most important elements that you must have is good intelligence about the enemy and his movements. We need someone who is outside of our present situation who can tell us what is going on. I recently finished a biography that I was reading about George Washington and about how Washington knew the importance of gathering good intelligence in order to defeat the British Army. The British soldiers were much more experienced, much better, much more sophisticated fighting force, much larger than the rebel army. And Washington knew that his army could not last long standing toe-to-toe -to -toe in an open field fighting against British regulars. Washington knew that he had to pick his battles carefully. And his strategy was to outlast the British forces by smaller, more strategic engagements. And one of the ways that he accomplished this strategy was by creating a very sophisticated network of spies throughout the land who would report back on the movements of the British army and their advancements. And this intelligence was what ultimately gave Washington a picture of reality that was greater than what he could see in front of him. You and I need divine intelligence and wisdom in order to navigate the complexities of this life. And the Spirit Himself guides us by giving us wisdom that keeps us from evil and sustains our life. That's what the psalmist says in verse 7 when he says, "...the Lord will keep you from evil." And we need to be careful about that promise because some have hijacked that verse of Psalm 121.7 as a, as a promise that if we will have enough faith in God in this life, that God will keep bad things from happening to us. That if we have enough faith in Him, the Lord will keep evil things from happening to you. But that is not what this verse is saying. You see, children of God sometimes have to deal with the difficulty of miscarriage and barrenness. And Christians can get coronavirus just as easily as non-Christians. Sometimes believers have wayward prodigal children who don't believe the gospel. 
And those who love God sometimes get cancer or lose their job or have someone break into their house or have their car hit by a drunk driver. When God promises to keep us from all evil, it does not mean that evil things cannot happen to us in a broken and fallen world if we just have enough faith. When God promises to keep us from all evil, it means that when evil things happen to us in a broken and fallen world, that our God has not abandoned us in that moment and that He is keeping us in the midst of that moment and that He Himself will guide us and lead our going out and our coming in. It's not a promise that God will keep bad things from happening. It's a promise that when bad things happen, you're not left to your own devices to figure it out because you have a God who guides you in His divine wisdom. Do you need the promise of Psalm 121 today? I know I do. Do you need today to lean into the promise that the Lord is my sure helper in time of need? That the Lord God Himself is watching over me in this moment in His sovereign grace? That the Lord will protect me no matter what I'm going through in His tender care? That the Lord will guide me in His divine wisdom? What a powerful, powerful psalm. And may we embed this truth into our hearts today as we follow Him. Would you join me in prayer? Before we pray, this promise that the Lord is my helper, that my help comes from the Lord, is not a promise that is universally applied. It's a promise that is universally available to all people. Because the Bible tells us that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should find eternal life. But this promise that the Lord is my sure helper in my time of need is really only available to those who are rightly related to God. It's only available to those who have trusted in Christ alone to save them from their sins, who've come to understand not only the reality of a physical struggle in this life, but also the reality of spiritual struggle and spiritual death that occurs because of our sinful choices. So maybe today you're here and, and your, greatest, your greatest need is not some sort of physical rescue from some difficult circumstances. Your greatest need today is your need for a Savior, your need to trust in Christ to save you from your sin. And if you're here today and that is you, then we invite you to trust Christ and we invite you to come and speak to one of us today before you leave and just say, Pastor Matt, I need to talk. I'm, I'm really struggling about where I am in my relationship with the Lord and I need to talk to somebody about Christ. So if that's you, please don't leave today until you have done that. Father God, we thank you so much that we can have these confident promises because it's not a matter of, of if we go through valleys in life, it's a matter of when. It's not a matter of when, if the enemy will attack or the storms will rise or the wolves will begin to beat down on us. It's a matter of when. And when we find ourselves in that moment, we are glad that we have the promise of Psalm 121 that we can look to the hills and see that the Lord is our sure helper in time of need. That we can know with confidence that whatever our circumstance is in this moment, that the Lord is watching over me in His sovereign grace. That the Lord Himself will protect me with His tender care and that He will guide me with divine wisdom. So 
God, help us to bury those truths into our heart because we need them. We need them every day. God, I pray for everyone that is here that as we leave this morning, that we will not only believe these truths, but that we will share these truths with the people that you place in our lives. Because someone that we come into contact with this week is probably going to be going through a valley. Someone that we come to this week is probably going to be lacking confidence because of what's going on in their circumstances or in the world around us. And God, may we, may we point them to the fact that our confidence doesn't come from something inside of us. Our confidence comes from someone who is much greater than us. And God, may we do this and be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.